You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin show sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I am Josh Katzker. With me today and every day, although sadly no longer in the same room with me, is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people from back in sunny South Florida. Congratulations, Brain. You, you successfully navigated the uh, the airline system, made it back to South Florida. You got your bags with you to get to get back home. What a time. What a time. It was great having you here in central New York for a little while. It was it was great having you and the wife up here enjoying the fall weather. I mean, and you really got the fall weather. You got the drizzle. You got the you got the just a little bit chilly weather. It was a good time. It was nice. It was a welcome change from the oppressive heat, and it was honestly just just really good to take a much needed uh, break. And uh, it's look, it's it's just a it's a slower, simpler way of life up there in in upstate New York than it is down here. You make here. it sound and like we're Amish people. <laughs> you're pretty close. <laughs> to be fair, some of us are. <laughs> Some of us are up here it, in Central It is New York. a but different way of life, and I'm not saying it in a bad way. Honestly, it was really good. It was a really nice, refreshing change. It was relaxing. My wife was making a full court press uh, to your wife, trying to get her to agree <laughs> to move up here. I which, heard you. You kind of gave the soft sell, and she she gave the she threw the whole book at. She gave the whole package, like you know, when you're playing like NCAA football, like 2002, and you go on the recruiting trail, and you yep. you know you got you you can pitch like all these little pitches. She checked all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's she's not uh, subtlety is not really her thing, but you know. In this show, whose whose thing is subtlety on this show, right? Anyway, it was a good time. And uh, in addition to all of the other stuff that we did, we got to sit down together and watch the Miami Dolphins play football. Yeah, oh. we did get to. Yeah, I, I I picked the wrong one there for a second. So, uh, but that's the one that I meant to put on there because hashtag Real Men Wear Pink and hashtag Real Men Watch Bravo. Um, well, but yeah, we enough. did get to watch some football. Uh, if you could call it that. Actually, it was a pretty good game. It was actually one of the better games on yeah. on Sunday. Um, it was a pretty dreadfully boring first half, but the 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 second half was pretty entertaining. Yeah. It was a, it turned out to be a pretty exciting game, although the ending was pretty predictable. It was a very same old Dolphins finish to the game, to, to the surprise of nobody on this room. I think, you know, you and I looked at each other when the Dolphins scored that touchdown and took the lead and said, there's no way that the Falcons don't just go down the field and kick the game-winning field goal here. We've seen it way too many times. There was nothing surprising about it, especially this year, like, I mean, the the second the Dolphins scored, and you said, "Oh, there's like two and a half minutes left." Yeah, we'll 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 still lose this thing. And I hey, yeah, I it called was, it. I called it. it was the Young Way Koo revenge game, and there there you have it. That's true. He did he did not miss that kick at the end this time, and so the Dolphins end up on the wrong side of the thirty to twenty eight final score, which is a bummer. Drops them to one and six on the season. It's just a mess. Uh, and, you know, it's a mess just from the football side of things before you even get into all of the off-field stuff. 
that is going on as well, which we are absolutely going to talk about today. Uh, But first, a reminder to everybody, if you haven't done so already, to make sure that you're following both The Brain and I on Twitter. I'm at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron The Brain. That's at A-A-Ron The Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. We ask you to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all of the places where you can find podcasts. And uh, don't forget to visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins site is going crazy and also make sure that you're heading over to the Dolphins Talk YouTube page those of you who are watching us live on YouTube right now hello how are you big shout out to all of you watching live on YouTube make sure you hit the like button make sure you subscribe to the channel and make sure you turn on notifications so you don't miss when we go live or when everybody else on the website goes live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel all right let's get into it brain this was a you know, a tough game for the Dolphins in a lot of ways. The defense continues to just be kind of an utter disaster at this point in time. But this was a game where, aside from the fact that the defense played a terrible game, the quarterback, with the exception of two absolutely brutal interceptions, and he played pretty well with 32 of 40 for 291 yards, four touchdowns. Obviously, you can't say he played well, but he threw two interceptions. He threw two absolutely brutal interceptions in the three complete games that he's played this year. He's thrown at least one pretty brutal interception, but he otherwise has played pretty well. And between the game that he played in uh, in London against the Jaguars and then this game against the Falcons, he's looking he's looking like a pretty good quarterback right now for a guy who's had what 14 career starts altogether so brain what i'm what i want to know is without getting into all of the other stuff just yet what is your opinion right now as we are through 14 games total of the career the nfl career of Tua Tungavailoa? he looks like uh right now he's just you know, an average NFL starting quarterback, maybe not even at this point. I mean, he looks like his ceiling. I, I still think he can be very good. Um, it's capped to a certain point based on, you know, just his physical tools. But in order to be a, a great quarterback with the tools that he does have, you need to have great accuracy, great anticipation, you need to be a quick decision maker. And he does all of those things. So there's no reason to believe that he can't develop. But that said, you can't, you just can't keep making excuses for him. You can't sit there and say that he played really well, except for those two interceptions. And if you just take out those two interceptions, he played really well. No, you can't do that. You can do that if it happened every now and then, but it's happening every game. And these are not just interceptions. They are brutal interceptions. You're talking about an interception in the end zone where he throws into double coverage. It's just a bad decision and a bad throw. You have a, a, for the second week in a row, an interception that comes on the first play after the Dolphins' defense creates a potentially game-changing turnover, and then we give the ball. These are huge momentum swings. These are the kind of plays that, at the end of the day, decide games. They are the difference between wins and losses, and so much of how we grade quarterbacks and, you know, decipher quarterbacks legacies and how good they are comes back to wins and losses fair or unfair but one of the key one of the keys in winning and losing games is protecting the football and doing it at the times that are the most opportune and he is had he has had over the last two weeks three of the worst interceptions at the worst possible time that you can have those interceptions and that cannot be ignored. Did he play pretty well other than that? Yeah, I mean, he's fine. The, I would say it in every game this year that he's played with the exception of the Buffalo game because he only played a few snaps before he got hurt, 
Uh, I would say that you're looking at a quarterback that played at about a C plus to B minus grade. And that's where he's been. And just call it the way it is. That's fine. And you could use the caveat that he's young and he's only made so many starts. And that's fine if you want to feel better about it. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you got, you, you're going to look at Justin Herbert and you're going to say, well, he's played, you know, you know, a few more, a few more games, but at the end of the day, Justin Herbert looks like a legit franchise quarterback. And we're, you know, the second year now, we're about a year and a half into the Tua career and we still don't know. And the fact that you don't know is telling at least to some extent. And I'm not saying that he's not going to be because I, like I said, when you don't have certain physical tools, it takes longer to really hit that level because you're relying on things that take a little bit more experience and nuance. Things like anticipation and accuracy because your margin of error is smaller because you can't rely on just the elite athleticism. So that being said, right now where we're at with Tua, he looks fine, but he doesn't look great. And you should not be sold one way or another uh, at this point that he is the franchise quarterback. And I don't think you should necessarily be sold otherwise either. Yeah. And I think that is the... I think that's an important thing that you just mentioned there is that you said you don't think you think it's too early to make a judgment one way or the other on whether or not he's the franchise quarterback. Like you, you don't think it's necessary. You think it might even be too early to make the decision that no, this guy is not definitely not the franchise quarterback. Let me ask you this. Do you think, and granted, it's only been let's call it three games this season because we won't count the Buffalo game because he was annihilated before he had a chance to even do anything. But would you say that you have seen improvement out of Tua based on, let's say, the last two games against Jacksonville and against Atlanta, perhaps with the caveat that, okay, this was against Jacksonville and it was against Atlanta. But would you say that you have seen improvement out of Tua over what you saw in the majority of his starts last year, and I'll and I'll take the Arizona game out of that because I think that was, uh, you know, up until these last couple of games, to his best performance as a Miami Dolphin. Without question, he's improved over last year. I, I think it's it's clear as day. Uh, you just see a guy, and you you could you saw it in the preseason. And granted, you can't you know ultimately you need to see it in the regular season. But even in the preseason, you could just tell like this is a guy that's not looking over his shoulder. This isn't a guy that's still learning how to play at the level. He just has a certain level of confidence. He's much quicker to make his reads. He's getting the ball out quick. He's decisive. He he's definitely better and the accuracy has been better and although his arm strength is still nothing to to write home about and it's still never going to be uh an elite level arm strength or even an above average arm for, for nfl standards uh, i do think there's a little bit more zip on the ball this year than we saw last year uh so in and basically and we're seeing him run the ball uh, a lot more and we're seeing him be more confident with that to just tuck it and run and get upfield and not feel you know hesitant to do that and so just he's playing overall much more free and he's without question he's been better than he was last year if he wasn't yeah. that would be a major red flag yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah i think you're right i think this is a guy that is improving and I think it's clear. And I, I think if you are watching this guy play and you don't see improvement, I don't, I don't know what to tell you if you don't see improvement because he is taking strides forward. I can see that you, your evaluation is this is not the guy for me. And at this point, this guy is not doing the things that I want him to do. I can see if that is what your valuation of things is. But I, I think uh, saying that there hasn't been improvement is is being a little bit intellectually dishonest when it comes to uh, evaluating a talent such as Tua Tagovailoa, And I think what, what is most interesting is that this is a guy who is continuing to go out there and improve, and he's working hard to make himself a better football player. And he's doing that largely with, with a team around him that is in some ways worse than the team was last year. 
Um, he's got a defense last year that was helping out tremendously. Uh, on the offensive line, you can argue that certain players on the offensive line have taken steps back this year. Um, the big offseason move was that the Dolphins had bolstered their wide receiving core, and that has just not been the case. Going into the season, the top, what, the top four receivers for the Dolphins were going to be Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, Preston Williams, right? That's going to be your top four receivers on the team. And then maybe Albert Wilson, you could throw in as a fifth, right? That was supposed to be your top five wide receivers. There has not been a single snap all season where those top four wide receivers have been on the field at the same time together this year with Tua. Hasn't happened. Has not happened where Tua has been on the field at the same time as those four wide receivers. So again, he's largely he's largely making the most of this while he's throwing it to Jalen Waddle, who it is inexplicably being utilized horribly with these short routes, as opposed to you know making uh, putting him down the field and and having him run deep routes. It's really not something that we're seeing a lot of. Um, but we're seeing that connection between Mike Kosicki. It's still there. We're seeing the connection with Tua and Waddle in the short routes. But otherwise, he's still throwing the ball to Mac Hollins, and he threw a touchdown pass to Isaiah Ford, who's in like his 18th tour of duty with the Miami Dolphins at this point. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable to see the work that he's doing. So this is a guy who I think, at least when it comes to the on-field situation, has clearly not been put in the best possible situation. And then you take that, and then you combine it with the absolute clown show that is happening off the field in regards to this franchise, I, it's a wonder that that guy can go out there and play football at all based on what he's been dealing with. Because this is a guy who essentially since the end of last season has heard nothing but nonstop hints, whispers, and outright screams from people that this is a Miami Dolphins team who is looking to bring in a quarterback who is in a lot of legal trouble off the field to come in and be their new franchise quarterback. So this this is this guy who was drafted 5th overall, supposed to be the new franchise quarterback, gets the team handed to him and now has been constantly listening to all of the rumors of everything that's been going on off the field leading up to this season and now in season the mess has somehow gotten worse, brain. It's gotten worse. If there's a franchise that can do it, this is the one. I don't understand how this team, and we, we, we talked about it in our last episode, was a lot about the sort of our, you and I sharing our emotional perspective of why we did not want the Dolphins to make some move for the quarterback in Houston because of everything that is going on off the field with him and surrounding him. We talked about that. We made that discussion. So today we're going to try to talk really more about just the absolute lunacy of what the Dolphins are doing in terms of just from the football perspective, right? From the perspective of even if, let's just say, even if you do not care at all about the off-field issues, right? You don't care. It doesn't bother you. It's totally fine. They're just accusations, whatever. Okay, fine. I don't agree with you on a personal person-to-person level when it comes to that, but whatever. We'll set that aside for now. The fact of the matter is those things exist, right? These accusations exist. The civil suits exist. The criminal suits exist. Right. And because of that, there is not clarity on what the league is going to do and what perhaps what might happen outside of the jurisdiction of the National Football League with this player. So how do you in any way, shape or form justify not only making the phone calls and having the conversations and negotiating, but eventually coming to a place where you have reportedly agreed to terms for a trade for this player and letting all of this get out there, doing it not so secretly. It's not like you're doing this under you know cloak and dagger, trying to be very sneaky about it. These negotiations are happening and it's being reported. And in the meantime, you've got this 
you know, essentially still rookie quarterback leading your franchise who you're, who is trying to put the team on his shoulders to the best of ability. This, brain, this whole situation is such a joke. It's such a joke. It's they've completely bungled this whole thing. And look, uh, you know where we land, where we land on this. You know where I land on this as far as not wanting them to get Watson. But I'll say this. If you if you made up your mind that you were going to go after him and part of the reason why you're pursuing him so hard while all of this stuff is out there is because this stuff is out there and that makes him more of a value. It, it drops the asking price for Deshaun Watson. Then when you agree to terms, just make the freaking move. Just make the move because that's your guy. It's obvious that you want him. You're not going to get clarity. You know that you've known the entire year that you're not going to get clarity as far as uh, his legal issues and what's going to happen there. You really think... Did, did you think two weeks ago? Did you think last week? Did you think this week that somehow you were, you were going to get this, this giant news break, uh, that, that all of a sudden he was going to be cleared? No, this is going to go well into the, re- the remainder of this season and into next offseason with the whole legal issue. And then the NFL, because he hasn't been charged, they aren't going to do anything until the legal system, uh, you know, runs its course. So you're not going to get clarity on that either. So if you were waiting for this the entire time and you weren't going to make the move until you had that, then you should have come out right at the beginning of this and just said, we're not going to trade for, for, we're not even going to discuss Deshaun Watson. We're not even going to entertain the idea of trading for this guy until this stuff is settled. But no, you've been out there. You've been making these these phone calls. You've been having these conversations so much so that we have now the news that they have agreed to terms and that they're just waiting on this. So at this point, what, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for clarity so that the, so that his asking price, so you can get have more teams in the discussions so that you're now your asking price turns back into four first round picks, a second round pick, a third round pick and more draft capital. So they've made it actually worse on themselves to where, you know, the, the one argument that you could have made for it making sense to trade for Watson at this time was that because of all of this, you're playing, it's a gamble, but you're playing the game that you're going to get him for a value. Now you're not even going to get him for a value because you're waiting for the, the whole thing to clear up. If you're going to do it, grow some freaking balls and do it. But this team can't even do that right. And in the meantime, they've completely turned this into a major distraction. This te- this coaching staff, this, this organization that prides itself ever since they hired Brian Flores on, we're all about football, we want guys to be all about football, we want no distractions. They have created the distraction. And they haven't let it go away because they continue to prolong it with this stupid sitting on the fence. They can't decide if they want to be evil or if they want to be you know, uh, or they want to have good PR. So they're trying to do the thing where they're playing both sides of the fence, where we really obviously want Deshaun Watson and we don't really care about any of these accusations, but at the same time, we don't want to piss our fan base off. So we're going to go out there and we're going to say, we're not going to trade for him until all this stuff clears. Just make up your damn mind and do it. Do, do one way or another, say it's happening or it's not happening. But the more you sit on the fence, the more you're the same old Dolphins. Right. And it's just and what what's happening is they're just com- completely alienating a fan base, a fan base that is already furious with the team because they've taken such enormous steps backwards this year. And yes, yeah, sure. Maybe this is a team and there was some speculation in the offseason that this team was going to be a victim of its own success because they had arrived a little early with the 10 and six record last season. But now here they're sitting at one and six. The defense has taken enormous steps back shedding all of the big contracts, those veteran players, those leaders from the team has taken an enormous toll on this defense, which has taken big steps back and they can't seem to stop anybody to the point that in the last two games, they were up against two of the weakest teams or two of the perceived weakest teams in the National Football League and they lost to them twice, right? They lost to a 
you know, a, a, a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who has not really looked great for all of the wonderful things that everybody thinks about him at, at when it comes to his physical tools and his physical traits and all that has he's got, you know, going for him. And you lost to an a still very good quarterback in Matt Ryan, but a Matt Ryan who is, you know, he's a lot closer to being washed than he is to being clean, if you know what I mean. And the Dolphins lost to him, and, and Kyle Pitts ran wild all over the team, which, you know, fair enough. And, I mean, it's just, it is a very ugly situation. And then you take that with the way that the Dolphins are kind of misusing Jalen Waddle. Everything on the, concerning, almost everything concerning the on-field product has been a disaster this year. So then to add on to that with this three-ring circus off the field, it's just, I don't understand what this organization is doing. This team that seemed to have a very clear-cut plan going forward, and Steve Ross, who said specifically and explicitly that he was ready to go forward on this plan and to, to follow that plan where it took, it took us, is now jumping off ship abandoning ship and saying, okay, let's go get this quarterback and make no mistake, because I know that there are people out there that say, let's not put this on Steve Ross because it, it's coming. All of this Watson stuff is coming from the football guys, the Chris Greer's and the people in the front office. Um, Steve Ross is the owner of a multi-million dollar business called the Miami Dolphins. And he has been talking about the importance of creating a team that is going to be uh, uh, something that is looked up to in the community and high character guys and that sort of thing. And all he's got to do is come out and say, no, we are not doing this. That's all he has to do. All he has to do is look at this situation and go, this is a PR nightmare. Even if he really wants this guy, all he has to do is say, we can't make a move for this player. Right. He could even say, we can't make a move for this player right now. And that would even be an improvement over what's happening and what's been said. But they're not doing that. And so we sit here, fans of a one in six football team that it seems to be going nowhere fast on the field and is off the field just a five alarm dumpster fire. It's a three ring circus and a five alarm dumpster fire. It's, it is just a complete mess. And as you said, They continue to be the same old Dolphins. Is there anything else that you want to say when it comes to this situation? No, it's just more of the same. They're completely clueless. They completely yeah. ha- they have no conviction one way or another. It's the same thing in in building the roster. It's it's one year it's it's the it's one plan and then the next year they decide you know one year it's we're going to sign all these guys we're going to go out we're going to sign Shaq Lawson we're going to sign Kyle Van Noy we're going to sign Eric Flowers and then the very next off season it's we're uh, we're cutting Van Noy after giving him a, a three-year contract. We're trading Shaq Lawson. We're trading Eric Flowers for for pennies on the dollar, just as a salary dump. Uh, we're trading. We're releasing the linebacker that we got back in the Kyle Van Noy deal after s- saying that he was a big piece of the puzzle because of his run defense. And now our run defense sucks even more than it did last year. This team has no conviction with any decision that they make. Yet somehow. People are going to laud them and they're going to say, well, they're great at admitting that they made a mistake and pivoting. Well, you can only pivot so many times before you realize that you've just been pivoting in a circle. And that's where right. we're at, where we've been at for the last <laughs> 20 years is pivoting in this circle over and over again. Yeah. The Dolphins are pivoting in a circle on a treadmill. They're going nowhere. And it's just really, really, really hard to watch. And so at this point, look, at this point, we know that there's less than a week to go as we record on Wednesday night, less than a week to go until the trade deadline is here. And so at least if the move doesn't happen in the next you know, few days, at least we'll be able to have a little bit of time. The rumor is not going to go away, but at least things will quiet down for a little while. And maybe, just maybe, there's some good in that. This is the Dolphins we're talking about. It's probably not. But anyway, you know what is good, Brain? You know what is good? 
a sports book with integrity and longevity. And if you're going to talk about a sports book with integrity and longevity, you know we're talking about BetUS because BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, Brain. Three decades thriving and paying their loyal customer base. So if you go to BetUS.com, they've got a lot of bonuses. But if you use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK, you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus. They also have re-up and referral bonuses. So since BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book, you might want to head over there and use that sign-up code DOLPHINSTALK. They've got all your NBA and NHL games, team and player props. they got NFL futures, NFL odds up, UFC matches, PGA golf, all kinds of stuff. they got an online casino with hundreds of games. They've also got the race book with all the horse tracks. They've got every type of bet imaginable. And the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. So you need to follow my lead. Okay. You got to follow my lead and you got to head over to get your phone and your online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity. Those are two key words, integrity, and longevity. Do it like I did. Bet us. You bet you win. You get paid. Bet us. There you go. Have you been to bet us? Have you laid any money down on bet us recently brain? Uh, yeah, well, I, I put some money on the on the Dolphins making the playoffs, but that didn't go so well. Whew, whew. You might as well have set that money on fire. Did you use your crypto? Did you use your uh, Ethereum? I don't have the crypto yet. I'm I'm late to the party on the crypto, um, but I'm I'm learning, and I may I may buy some by 2025. Oh, look at this! All right, very good. Well. Uh, listen, I say do it like I did and get your sports book with in- integrity and longevity. I can't do it in New York State yet. New York State, uh, not not able to do the online betting, which is a, a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, other folks can and God bless them. I've still got to go to the old brick and mortar casino if I want to place a bet. Me and uh, me and uh, me and Mike got to go over to our local establishment down the road. There's one actually right around the corner from my house. Next time I got to take you there. Next time you're in town, we'll take you over to the casino. But Brain, the Dolphins have also been busy with all of the other stuff that's been going on. Some other news to report. That's that Jason McCordy and Malcolm Brown have both gone to injured reserve. McCordy with a foot injury. Malcolm Brown with a quad injury. It sounds like McCordy may end up being out for the rest of the season. Uh, And it seems like Malcolm Brown is going to be out for a while as well. But the Dolphins have now added Sheldrick Redwine, a University of Miami product as well, as well as another product of the University of Miami. Duke Johnson has been added to the practice squad. They've also they also released Reed Sinet. That happened on Saturday, right before the game. And of course, with all the Watson rumors brewing, everybody was thinking, "Oh, here come the conspiracy theories." But it was a, it was because he had been on the active roster for so long with Tua on the IR. So they released him uh, with the idea that he would clear waivers and they would add him back to the practice squad. But they got sniped. They got sniped. Brain. The Philadelphia Eagles swooped in and claimed Reed Sinet. So the Dolphins have signed Jake Dolagala to the practice squad. Jake Dolagala. What, Brain, I need your analysis on the career of Jake Dolagala. I have no analysis on the, the career of Jake Dolagala. I have no idea. I, when you said his name uh, prior to the start of the show, that, that was the first time that I've, I'd heard Jake Dolagala. Very good. Jake Dolagala. Well... Listen, uh, the McCourty injury is is no good. You hate you hate to see that, but I mean McCourty hasn't looked great at times, but again was something approaching that veteran presence on the field for the Dolphins, so that there was value there. But now he's gone and now Sheldrick Redwine comes in, so it'll be interesting to see how he slots in and see how the Dolphins arrange things in the secondary uh with the absence of Jason McCourty. In the meantime, Malcolm Brown is out, and Malcolm Brown, look, I'm not crying tears of, of sadness losing Malcolm Brown to IR because he has proven the same kind of point that the Dolphins proved last year when they side, signed Jordan Howard and traded for Matt Breida. It's like 
The Dolphins just don't seem to do very well bringing in these veteran running backs. Malcolm Brown did not prove to be very well, and yet again was shown that Miles Gaskin is the best running back on the team. And so now with Brown going on IR, I'm expecting to see a lot more of Miles Gaskin and perhaps a bit more of Savan Ahmed as well. And these are two guys with some juice back there. So what, what do you make of the situation with the Dolphins' backfield? And then it sounds like the Dolphins are planning to elevate one of Patrick Laird, Duke Johnson, or Jared Dokes to the 53-man roster this weekend as well. I think it's got to be Dokes because Dokes, is, I mean, we know that Laird and Duke Johnson are not guys that are going to run between the tackles. And the whole reason that Malcolm Brown was out there was because he could run between the tackles. He's also good, a good blocker in pass protection. So maybe Patrick Laird, maybe that's a, that's him getting a, getting a shot here. I do want to talk a little bit about the, the secondary with McCourty going out, uh, and then bringing in Redwine. I mean, this has to be Igbo season, right? Oh, Jesus. I mean, if, 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 if Igbo can't get on the field now, if, if Trill Williams gets on the field before him, if Shedrick Redwine gets on the field before him, then I think we can safely all say that it, that the, the Igbo experiment is over. Uh, and that it's a, it's just a full blown bust at that point. Um, and then as far as a running back, yeah, the Dolphin news break, the Dolphins haven't had success bringing in veteran running backs in free agency. Who does? That's a fair, very good point. Who does? Nobody. That's why they are free agents. And that's why the, you don't invest in running backs. You draft your running back. And then you, you get them to that second contract. If they're good enough to be a featured back, you pay them that second contract. If they're not, you let them go and you let somebody else pay them and you get another replacement level running back in the draft in like the fourth, fifth, sixth or seventh round, like you did with Miles Gaskin. Uh, and, and Miles Gaskin ends up being the best running back on the team. And it's not surprising. And, you know, we're, we're comparing Malcolm Brown to Jordan Howard. And the fact is Malcolm Brown's actually been a lot better than Jordan Howard was last year. Um, that's true. So I mean, it, 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 that, it, but that's not saying a whole actually, lot, to be honest. But he is actually potentially going to be missed because he has been pretty good running between the tackles it, when we've needed to run between the tackles. That said, like, he's not great. He's Malcolm Brown. He's not. You know, he's not uh, Le'Veon Bell in the prime of his career. He's not uh, Christian Okoye. He's not, you know, people aren't bouncing off of him when you when you use him in Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, this isn't this isn't that kind of guy. And we don't have that type of guy. And nobody that we're bringing up from the practice squad is going to be that kind of guy. So it, it it's whatever, like, you know, maybe Duke Johnson comes in and he has more of an impact over Savan Ahmed since Ahmed has been relatively disappointing thus far this season. So Duke Johnson, a guy that we know can catch the ball out of the backfield and can create explosive plays at least, you know, three, four, five years ago. Uh, maybe he doesn't have that anything left in the tank. We don't know that, but we know that he can catch, uh, and run routes. So maybe that's, maybe that's how they use him and they just go to this whole, you know, Forget running the ball between the tackles. Miles Gaskin will be the guy when we want to run it. It'll be every down back. And then when we want to, uh, you know, give, give Miles Gaskin a break, then instead of, uh, going directly to Savan Ahmed, maybe Duke Johnson gets a chance. But I do think that, uh, uh, Jared Dokes makes a lot of sense because of the way that he runs and because of his sheer size. At, if they want to bring up a guy that's going to run between the tackles, then Jared Dokes would be that guy. He's a, he's, yeah, and he's very helpful in that pass protection as well back there. He's he's proven he's got a little bit of that in him as well. So that's where the Dolphins are at in the running back situation, which now brings us to the part of the show that I'm really excited to talk about. Our preview of the Miami Dolphins traveling to Orchard Park, New York to take on a Buffalo Bills team that is coming off of a bye and right before their bye, lost on the road to Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, 
and the rest of the Tennessee Titans. So you've got an angry Buffalo Bills team who have had a week off going up against the Miami Dolphins team that has lost six consecutive games and just happens to have no clue what to do when it comes to playing a football game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Brain, I, I don't know, don't know that there's a whole lot of point in getting into the weeds of what we expect to happen on Sunday. So let me just ask you this. Is there any way the Dolphins lose this game by fewer than three touchdowns? I thought you were going to say but fewer than 35 points. Uh, fewer no, than three touchdowns? I mean, fewer than three touchdowns? I guess it's uh, it's possible. If the, if the Bills, you know, pull their, pull their starters relatively early, if this isn't a game, you know, if, if the Bills are up by 30 going into the fourth quarter, they might pull their starters and then we get some garbage time scores to get it less than three three touchdowns. So that's it. So that's it. It's Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are all on the bench in the fourth oh, quarter. Just, and the Bills have also Allen pulled off Diggs. all their... Uh, yeah, I, I'm talking about, I'm not just talking Allen and, and Diggs. I'm talking about Hughes and Rousseau and, and everybody on that defensive side of the ball too, because, uh, I don't know that the Dolphins learned how to block in the, in the last month or so since, since we last played the Bills. But if we haven't, there's a, there's a relatively good chance that two is going to get hurt again. Yeah. You think Jesse Davis will just, you know, Maybe Jesse Davis has a stomach ache that day. And he just Maybe we'll you know, actually calls out get to see Greg Little and then we'll realize that Greg Little's even worse than Davis, Jackson, and Eichenberg. I mean, ugh. It's just a really it's a rough situation on this Dolphins of often Dolphins offensive line right now because it is pretty offensive. So I don't know. I, I listen. I I have no confidence at all that the Dolphins have gonna are going to have figured anything out when it comes to slowing the Bills down, unless there's some entire other element of the Dolphins' offensive and defensive playbook that they have been waiting until Week Eight with a one and six record to release the Kraken in Orchard Park to somehow find a way to get victory. I just don't see any way that th- this game is even close. On Sunday, so I'm gonna pick this. I'm gonna pick Buffalo to win this game. Something like, I don't know, how about 48 to 17. I, I was I was gonna say 45 to 13. Okay, so we're both we're both feeling very confident in the Dolphins' ability to get something done this weekend. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, this is absolute the worst case scenario because, uh, you know, I don't know that. I guess there's, there's one thing to look forward to, I guess, in this game. And that is with Tua having his best two game stretch in his NFL career and granted it being against Jacksonville and Atlanta, if he can come out and have moments in this game, and because remember, he played what, seven snaps against the Bills before he got hurt? Uh, last time. So we're going to, this is going to be an opportunity for us to see a direct comparison of what does this team look like against Buffalo with Tua at quarterback, theoretically anyway, versus what it looked like with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. So well, I guess this is another you opportunity we'll see for more than nine snaps. <laughs> Hopefully that's the goal, right? But I mean, here's the thing. Everybody's been talking about, you know, one of the, not everybody, but a lot of people who are, let's just call them people who don't believe that Tua is the answer for this team right now have been their reaction to the fact that Tua has had a couple of pretty good games overall against Jacksonville and Atlanta has been okay, but he's been, he's done it against Atlanta and Jacksonville. So let's see what he does against a team like the Buffalo Bills, who before they were shredded by Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans had, you know, this was the best defense in the National Football League. So I guess the thing is, if Tua can put up numbers similar to what he's put up the last couple of weeks and do it in Buffalo against the Bills, that's, I think, pretty helpful information, don't you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm still laughing at this whole idea that uh, Tua had these great games and we're saying, oh yeah, but he did it against the Jags and the Falcons. And I'm sitting here and saying, what did he even do? He played average NFL quarterback, slightly above average NFL. He played C plus B minus quarterback. He played well, but made horrible mistakes that cost them the football game. That's... But he did so well against two of the worst defenses. He didn't even win. He didn't. Yeah, even I think play it's a pretty well harsh criticism. I think it's a pretty harsh criticism of that Atlanta game to say that he, yes, he did make two very bad decisions. And what you know, and there were some people who will tell you that if you really look at the tape, Waddle hung him out to dry on the second interception, and that Durham Smythe ran the wrong route on the first one and that's why those interceptions will were thrown and I'm not here to say that those guys are right I'm not here to say that because I think personally at the end of the day both of those passes were passes that should not have been made and that's just that's just it at the end of the day but I think the rest of that performance against Atlanta was a little bit better than what you're what you're giving credit for I think other than the two what interceptions would what would you grade him you you give him a grade on 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 the on the Atlanta game what was his grade? I would give him I would give him a a B plus. Oh my god. Because he, he, here's two the of thing. the most in the rest of that game, the rest of that game the passes that were not caught were were drops. They were passes that were hitting guys in the hands. This is a guy in a very accurate NFL quarterback. He's putting up great he threw four touchdown passes. And he two threw of four the worst interceptions passes. that you'll that you could possibly throw in two yes. of the worst situations to throw them. Like absolutely, you, so th- absolutely. That goes to a B plus, B yes. plus, yes, that, a B not plus, even a B, not a B, not a B, B plus. It was a B plus performance. Oh my god! Absolutely. I, oh. like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take away the interceptions. The interceptions are part of it, and I said it in the moment that at some point, at some point, those interceptions are not a bug; they're a feature, right? So we're not and, there. And those at, and those at, are things at, that, that he needs. Point, to, we're not there yet. What's that? We're, so we're not there yet because we're still giving him a B plus, but we're essentially giving him a pass. Well, the, I mean, the, the rest of, I mean, those two interceptions were, uh, I think, among the only possible missteps that he had in the whole game. Yeah, but they, okay, but they're horrible missteps. We're not talking about him overthrowing a guy or, or you know, you know, th- throwing short of the sticks on third down. Right, you know, absolutely. We're, we're talking get- about turnovers that cost them the football game so let me ask you this is this narrative different if the defense makes a stop and atlanta doesn't go down the field and kick a game-winning field goal after tua leads the team on a 90-yard touchdown drive to take the lead does tua have to lead them on a 90-yard touchdown drive to win the game if he doesn't throw an interception that sets the falcons up on the doorstep and 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 through an interception in the end zone earlier in the game. He basically, that's at the very least, three points that he took away from Miami and seven points that he essentially gave the Falcons. So that's 10 points already that we gifted the Falcons because of Tua's turnovers in a game that we lost by two points. Did Tua play? I didn't say he had a bad game. I said C plus slash B minus. So I said C plus. But but, but here's the thing. B plus? you you said one of your arguments was he didn't even win the game is one of your arguments, right? He didn't even win the game. He went down there and led them on a fourth quarter touchdown drive to give them the lead. And then the defense, as they have, as this team, as we've seen this team do, folded and let the Falcons go down the field and kick the game winning field goal. What I'm saying is if the Falcons don't go down the field and kick that game winning field goal, the narrative is Tua leads game winning touchdown drive. And he still had a C plus B minus performance. Okay. Well, if that's, if that's how you feel, I'm just saying that I believe, I believe that it was a better, a a slightly better performance than you're you're giving him. And, And we've, we've seen this before that I'm, I'm tending to, evaluate him a little bit higher than you are in general. I'm, I'm that just seems to be the way that we grade our quarterbacks is that I'm, I'm giving him a, I don't know if it's leeway or whatever, but anyway, again, the fact of the matter is I thought it was a pretty good game. He had a B plus game in my mind against the Atlanta Falcons. He goes out against the Buffalo bills on Sunday and has another B plus performance 
What what does what do you do with that information? Oh, so you mean he throws two more horrible interceptions? And he leads the Dolphins and puts them in a position to win the game against Buffalo, and then the defense folds at the end. Then we're in the same spot. Okay, well then, I, I don't know what to tell you. We're in the same spot. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not saying that I'm judging Tua solely on, I'm, I'm taking the winning and losing, the win and loss out of it. I'm taking that out of the equation. What I'm saying is, is that a lot of people are going to grade quarterbacks based on them winning and losing. Tua had some really great moments in the last two weeks against two of the worst teams in the National Football League. Teams that most people would have expected the Miami Dolphins to beat. Certainly Jacksonville. And I think a home game against Atlanta, I think most people, even though technically Vegas had uh, the Falcons as the favorite, I think a lot of people expected the Dolphins to still be better than the Falcons and to win that game at home. Uh, and the fact that they didn't and Tua didn't play some like lights out game, like, at the end of the day, like, what did he do? It wasn't good enough. He wasn't, nobody on the team was good enough. And Tua doesn't get a pass on that. Tua, it, it's not like Tua played this great game and nobody else on the team gave him any support. They, they lost that game for more reasons than just the defense. And Tua was part of it. His two interceptions were a major part of why they lost the game. So to just sweep that under the rug, like, oh, but he put them in position to win. So what? Those plays still happened and they were a major contributing factor to why they lost the football game. So to sit here and say, well, he put them in position to win. That's like sitting here uh, and looking at Tua's first game ever against the Los Angeles Rams when he did virtually nothing. And we scored a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown and had all these turnovers. And we won the game going away and saying, oh, well, Tua put them in position to win. So Tua did, did, did well, but he played like crap in that game. And he didn't, I'm not saying that he played like crap in this game he was fine just call it like it is he he was very good at times and he threw a couple of really horrible interceptions that at the end of the game at the end of the day really taint the performance that he had and a lot more than just bringing it down to a b plus but like whatever it's a grade like it's a completely meaningless grade on a completely meaningless report card it doesn't it doesn't matter but i'm just saying like it's it's a joke to call it a b plus okay but we're the point that I'm getting to is I understand he made those decisions and those are, I mean, the the big thing about this quarterback is that's what we know what we're working with. We're working with a guy and you talked about it. It was, it was on his resume coming out of college. This is a guy who sometimes does too much, right? Especially immediately after you force a huge turnover to throw that interception there, the one that he threw late in the, in the second half, that was a really brutal interception to throw. There's no discounting that, right? But, at the same time, the fact that he put up 291 yards, 32 of 40 is really efficient. 32 of 40 is really efficient passing. D yes, yes, he threw those two interceptions, but he threw 32 of 40 for 291 and four touchdowns right? It's one thing if he throws those two backbreaking interceptions and then he also just has a very mediocre, puts up very mediocre numbers the rest of the way. The other numbers are really great. Yes, there's no, as you said, two interceptions are really bad. But if he goes in, right, and he puts up 291, throws, completes 32 of 40 passes in Orchard Park against Buffalo, against this okay, Bills yeah, team? yeah, yeah, sure. That sure. is, that's the point that I'm making here. That's the point that if he can go and he can put on that kind of performance this weekend, then that is a huge step forward for this quarterback, especially in light of all of the nonsense that is happening off the field surrounding him. The fact that he would be able to put his head down and put that together against Buffalo, that would be a big deal. Now, is he going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> right. I would say the odds are probably <laughs> against it, but. Well, that's the whole thing. Like you're sitting here and on one hand you're saying, oh, well, he did it against Jacksonville and against Atlanta and you're, you're giving him a hard time. But if he does it against Buffalo, is it going to be great? Yeah, sure. But do it. Are, so, are you okay, expecting him to do it? That's what I'm saying. Are, are you expecting it? I'm not expecting him to do you it. Just you, sat here, him? you just sat here and said, if he does it, it's the same thing. 
No, you said you said if he plays another B plus performance, which I jokingly said, oh, so that means he's throwing two horrible interceptions. I didn't say anything about, oh, he's, you know, throwing for 300 yards and 80% completion percentage or anything like that. I didn't put up any kind of numbers or anything like that. If he plays a B plus game from my perspective, then against Buffalo, then yeah, I'll give him, I'll give him props for that. But a C plus game, which in my opinion is what he played, if he does that against Buffalo, then we're not going to be in position to win the game unless the defense unexpectedly has a great game. Can I tell you the best way to put yourself in position to win a game? Do tell. It's to go to manscaped.com and use the promo code Dolphins Talk because then you save 20% off and you get free shipping. You see what I did there? I do see, see what, what I did there. there. That's what you got to do. You got to go to manscaped.com. You got to use the promo code Dolphins Talk, and then you got to buy the Performance Package 4.0. You got to get the Lawnmower 4.0. You got to get the Weed Whacker. You got to get the Ball Deodorant and the Ball rev- the Crop Reviver Toner. You got to get the Boxer Briefs. You got to get the whole situation. You got to get the shed travel bag. You got to get all that stuff over at manscaped.com. Whether you buy a ton or you buy a little, you're getting 20% off and you're getting free shipping when you use the promo code Dolphins Talk. And listen, that's going to put you in position to win. That is going to have you completing 32 out of 40 passes. Because listen, no matter how well you're manscaped, you're not going to hit a home run every time with time. You're not always going to throw a touchdown pass. Sometimes you throw a terrible interception. But if you go to manscaped.com, use the promo code DolphinsTalk, you know, you could certainly help out your situation a little bit. This is all I'm trying to say. So go over there, go over to Dolphin or not DolphinsTalk.com, go to manscaped.com, use the promo code DolphinsTalk, save 20%, get free shipping, and uh, I'll tell you what, you'll stiff arm your pubes right out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. And as always, your balls will thank you. Oh, at, Mike is asking, uh, Mike of Dolphins Talk is asking everybody who's viewing what they would grade to his performance as. This I weekend. actually asked that. That was actually me. Oh, that was, that was the brain. Do, I figured asking. out how to do the comments from the Dolphins Talk YouTube. Look at you. I figured it out while you were doing Alexander the Thompson says C+. Cap for Life wants us to put up a poll. I don't know how to do that in the comments. I don't know how to do it in the comments, but, you know. Oh, PFF sucks is a great comment. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. We'll see. I saw we'll another C comment yeah. there. C plus, B plus, Chris L, B minus. Give him a C, C plus. So, I mean, a lot of different... I mean, the the, rate, the the grades all seem to be ranging from C to B+. Plus. I mean, they're in the same ballpark here. It's not like you valued, evaluated him at a, at a D and I gave him a B+. Plus. You know, there's not that much difference between a C. Uh, angry Al, give, see, then we have somebody say A+, plus, and then Angry Al says F. But, I mean, let's be honest. If Angry Al's not giving you an F, you're doing something wrong. So anyway, now I think I don't think we're going to get um, objective answers any longer from the comments here uh, on, on YouTube. But I appreciate everybody giving you the, giving us the feedback here uh, and, and for watching live here on the live stream. And of course, everybody who is listening in podcast form, we appreciate it very much if you go over and you leave a uh five-star rating and a positive review in Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that you find the podcast. Um, we appreciate that very much. And thank you for listening, as always, to the same old Dolphin Show. Brain, any parting words before we go? Because, I mean, we're you're going to do uh, you're going to do a DolphinsTalk.com daily this week uh, that the people will hear on Friday morning. But the next time that we're together for the same old Dolphin Show will be uh, either Monday right before the trade deadline, or maybe we, we might even hold off and do it on Tuesday right after the trade deadline. So, Brain, uh, what is, what are, what are, what are your final parting words here before we sign off until the trade deadline? 
Uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out uh, how big these guys' balls are. Uh, and when I say these guys, I'm talking about the the Dolphins' front office here because, look, they've played their hand at this point. They want Watson. Honestly, like I don't want them to trade for Watson. I've made no bones about that. But at the like at this point, you've already made your bed. You know, like everybody knows that you want the guy. So it do, if you're going to get him, just get him now while you can get him for a discount. If he gets suspended, then he gets suspended. Whatever. You got him under contract for a few years. Like it's, it's, it's whatever. Um, I don't want them to trade for him, but at this point we know that we want him. So it doesn't matter. To me, it doesn't matter, uh, if they trade for him or not. Their intent, the intention is there. So at this point, j- just fucking make the trade already. Just do oh. it. Like, you you know, he's your guy. Just go get him. Trade Tua for a first-round pick, uh, you know, because whether you get that first-round pick now or you get it in the offseason, Tua's played well enough to where there, you should get a first-round pick back for him, in my you opinion. You get a first-round back? You get a first-round pick back for a quarterback who's putting up C-plus performances? 14 games into the seat into his career. Yeah. I, I think there, as for what Tua is, I believe that Tua is absolutely has the potential to be a franchise quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, maybe a top 15 quarterback, definitely, and potentially even a top five. The margin for error is small there. So I don't say that with a ton of confidence as far as the top five, but I could certainly see him becoming a top 10 quarterback based on his tools. But there's also a lot of, you know, there's a lot of question marks about his arm strength, about his whether or not he can stay healthy through the course of a season, whether or not he can take a pounding for for 16 games. But at this point, I think that you can get a first round pick for Tua. And so I if look, you're the Dolphins, Watson is your guy. Go ahead and, and just make the trade already. And Wait out as long as you have to and, and get the best deal possible that you can get for Tua and, and recoup that. And then if, if Watson gets suspended to start next season, well, then you, you live with it. You, you live with it because you're playing the long game anyway. You're not trading for Watson to try to win the Super Bowl right now. You're not trading for Watson to win the Super Bowl next year. You're trading for Watson to be your franchise quarterback for the next five to ten seasons. So if that's what you feel he's going to be, and I don't know why you would make the trade if you or why you'd even agree to terms if you didn't feel that, especially considering all of this legal mess and the moral objections that you could have to it. So... You know, just they should make the trade. They absolutely should, regardless of whether there's clarity from the league or from the legal system. And I mean, I wouldn't make the trade, but if I'm Stephen Ross and Brian Flores and Chris Greer and they've all made up their mind, obviously, that Watson is the guy, then yes, they should make the move. And if they don't make the move, then we know that they're just scared. And they're just they're scared to pull the trigger and they're going to end up costing themselves more. And they're just going to end up prolonging this thing more, which is only going to hurt Tua. So uh, you know, we're going to find out a little bit more about this Dolphins front office. But I can tell you one thing. My full expectation is for them to do the stupidest thing possible because that's what they keep on doing year after year after year and week after week after week. Let me put something out there for you. Dolphins go up to Orchard Park this week and get boat raced. They lose to Buffalo 63-3. to does the deal get done before Tuesday? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't think there. I so you don't think there's pers- you don't think I don't they'll know be persuaded. To, I don't know what to believe because I don't believe that. I believe that what what's happening right now is the Dolphins are talking to the Texans and agreeing to things, and the Dolphins are being mum on it, and all of the leaking things out is coming from Houston's side. Because they're trying to put pressure on the Dolphins to make a move. So, like, I don't necessarily believe that the Dolphins are really taking that stance. I think the Dolphins are just saying that when they're talking to the Texans because they're trying to get pick protection for the trade, which would make sense. And the Texans, because they don't want to give pick protection on the trade, are going to leak this out 
to social to their reporters and it's going to get out there into the ether and everybody's going to be talking about it and it's going to make the dolphins look stupid which is what's happening this week and it's going to pressure the dolphins to make a stand one way or another and the texans look they've already agreed to terms they already made their decision that that watson is their guy so i believe that they're going to make the deal and that they're ultimately going to i don't think it matters what happens on sunday I think that if Tua plays poorly on Sunday, then the only thing that that does is it hurts the value that they'll get back from Tua. If Tua plays well on Sunday, I don't think it dissuades them anymore from making the deal. I just think it, it in in a way it almost makes them want to make the deal that much more because then if if Watson doesn't get suspended, they can throw Watson in there next week. And the last image that you have of Tua is him playing a really great game. And that's great for getting the most that you can back for him in a trade. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out in the next six days. And we'll find out <laughs> what, what this franchise is made of question mark, I guess. Anyway, Whatever the case may be, wherever you are, find a healthy way to decompress from this Dolphins team because, man, they can, they can drive you to some awful habits. And listen, I, I'm going to go have a drink right now because I'm exhausted just thinking about it, just thinking about this team. I'm just, what? I'm going to watch part three of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion. I mean, and it's going to be far more entertaining than any Dolphins game we've watched this season. I'm going to go have some of that apple bourbon that I got from the apple orchard the other day. And it's going to be really, really great. So while Brain goes and watch, watches the housewives and I go drink the bourbon, I hope that all of you will take care of yourselves and each other. And we will talk to you again next time. And as always, Dolphins! Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's that ever side seen. Definitely we're made in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking to my ball. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. I hope that all of you will take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. And as always, go Dolphins! <sighs> that sigh definitely made it into the broadcast. It was supposed to.